passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, welcome to a special post news update. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, here on a Friday afternoon to go through some of the major news and notes prior to tonight's SmackDown. Hello, Wei. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing well. Congratulations, coming off another season of MCU Later. Yes, thank you. Yes, we just had our season finale last night, me, WH Park, and Nate Milton, and a bunch of callers from the uh, Post Wrestling Cafe. Um, question is, have you finished Loki? No, no, I am, I am in the midst of a, of a Marvel, um, catch up process where I'm in the midst of Black Widow. Uh, that is, that's first and foremost, because I do have to talk about that particular film. Loki will follow. So, uh, I'm going to have some, some free time next week. I will catch up to Loki though. I will. I have two episodes oh. to watch. All right. I understand cool. it ended on a, well, I don't know. I don't even know what the rules are. But we can say there's a second season of Loki, correct? Yes, that is correct, yeah. Was that unexpected? Um, No, there were reports, but okay. I don't think it was officially reported by Marvel until the end of this episode. So right. there will be a season two. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll get some of your thoughts on it all on Tuesday. And I just, every announcement of a new continuation or another series, I just think of like the bond of yourself and WH Park that will be infinite. I've been seeing a lot of, or talking to a lot of WH Park uh, uh, recently, um, and Infinite, I I mean, I don't know about Infinite, but um, it, it's definitely getting up there, yeah. Yeah, well, um, are you guys going to go into what-if territory? I mean, are you guys just going to cover the gamut? I think so, yeah, definitely, it's supposed to be a big series. All right, well, with that, you can check out that show. If you're a Post Wrestling Cafe member, it's up there uh, with Nate Milton joining Way and WH. And again, we will be live tonight for all patrons starting at 10.15 Eastern, but we want to do this update to go through all the news uh, portion, and then we will be going right into SmackDown in Houston and opening it up to your calls. I want to hear from lots of people tonight, so look out for that, 10.15 Eastern. Let's go back to Wednesday night, Fighter Fest. It was a very well-received show Wednesday night. I think a lot of people just loving the atmosphere. It was a very enjoyable two hours, uh, but that was definitely extended once the television viewership figures came in way with a million twenty-five thousand watching Wednesday night's Fighter Fest with a point four zero in the eighteen to four forty-nine demographic. A v- incredible figure for AEW under the best of circumstances. More pronounced when the second hour of the show was going against the NBA finals. And it was the second hour that performed above the first hour. This was a tremendous figure for AEW to accomplish on Wednesday. Absolutely. I mean, you know, back on Wednesdays now, really in the full swing of things. And it seems like with the addition of these live crowds and a pretty strong show, 
um, they are right back to it. So really great results. And I think uh, it bodes really well for some of the talents that were on this one. Yeah, this was, you know, a huge feather in the cap for, for several. And Brandon Thurston actually uh, put up a graph going through the, the quarter hours. The peak uh, in, total, in total viewers was in the second hour between 915 and 930 Eastern, which featured Britt Baker's promo in the ring. The backstage retort from Nyla Rose and Vicky, and then the attack by MJF and Sean Spears on Jericho and Sammy Guevara versus Wheeler Yuta. So I, I'm looking at that way. Like that's a that's a real big statement. The fact that was the peak in viewership, and then uh, further to that, the peak for 18 to 49 and 18 to 34 was the Elite Dark Order segment focusing on Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. But even going later into the second hour, like it did level off a little from that peak. Uh, during the Guevara, Yuta, Britt Baker segment, but they topped a million viewers for the Yuka Sakazaki Penelope Ford match, and I mean virtually identical for the Coffin match, which was a million two thousand viewers. So that was a very strong second hour. Not what you would have expected going into this. That you would think the first hour would be the big wave, and then it would level off in hour two. So I, I think that also speaks to just the momentum of that show that. If people were tuning in, maybe they stuck around for hour two or they were so interested in this coffin match. I mean, there's several factors you can look at it, but it was a very promising sign given who some of the key players were when we're seeing these numbers uh, broken down. Or it could simply be the atmosphere. You know, you tune into a show like that and, and it's just, there's certainly something infectious about the entire event. Everybody felt like a star, you know, and we're talking about several people who just really... Uh, you you wouldn't necessarily have reason to believe would be you know such a they'd be able to hold on to a rating at least doing so so maybe I in my opinion I think it's just the show in general and not not to say this was just another dynamite like it was a themed show you had your first first of a kind for its stipulation in the coffin match in an AEW setting but you know this was not blood and guts this was you know something in between that so. You know, you look to next week, for instance, another interesting figure to look at is without NBA competition, are they able to ride this momentum uh, beyond this show that for whatever reason, it just seemed everything was in perfect alignment for this great audience. And it just seems like AEW has certainly hit this wave coming back to Wednesdays that they are really firing on all cylinders in front of a live crowd that I think has enhanced these shows that much more. And you're going into a very interesting time period where you are getting these fantastic results from your fan base. And you're about to ask that audience for another hour on Friday nights as well. Like what long term, it will be interesting to see what they can establish on Friday nights. But does that impact the Wednesday number at all as well? It'll be interesting to see. Uh, my gut tells me that Wednesday is still, you know, such a more beneficial, easier time slot for most people to watch at eight o'clock versus, you know, Fridays at ten. That um, I think Wednesday will hold, uh, but Friday we'll have to see what sort of cards, what sort of event, what sort of level of importance that they attach it to. At least, you know, for the first several months, I imagine it'd be just as important as Dynamite. So I, I, I don't expect similar ratings to Dynamite, but I do expect them to be, you know, probably better than expectations as with both things, most things with AEW. Yeah, just uh, some final stats from Wednesday. The NBA game, it did uh, 10,250,000 viewers. Um, so a big competition they were against. Uh, but also uh, the Wrestling Observer noting the fact that Dynamite did beat Raw in men 18 to 49 and men 
35 to 49 by 21,000 and 26 viewers, 26,000 viewers, respectively. Raw was going against the Home Run Derby, so it's not like it was competition-free either on Monday. But again, another big statement, especially males 18 to 49 edging out Raw. And with football coming up on Mondays, I mean, that number, I mean, that might be a stat that might repeat itself for a couple of weeks. Yes, and and both will be facing Olympic competition in just a couple, next week actually will or two weeks I guess because the Olympics start the twenty third so there you have that coming up as well so I, I thought that this was a pretty significant week when it came to uh, ratings notes and just a number that kind of came out of nowhere and I think hit people uh, when that was reported on Thursday uh, we look ahead and staying in AEW. The pre-sale started earlier this week for the Grand Slam edition of Dynamite at Arthur Ashe Stadium, and today was the official public on-sale. And as of uh, just before noon Eastern on Friday, uh, WrestleTix on Twitter, which does a great job of kind of calling all this uh, Ticketmaster data, um, is stating that over 14,000 tickets have been distributed. That meaning sold, comps, like what the tickets that are out there in the market with the current setup somewhere between 16,500 and 16,829 for Arthur Ashe Stadium, which it's been said if if demand is so high, they could increase that capacity to 19,000 if necessary. But the fact that 14,000 tickets are outweigh, um, this is already a success. This is going to be a gigantic show for AEW. Are you surprised at all that the demand was at this level for the first New York show? I, I honestly am a little bit, you know, because of the new work show being so close attached to it, because um, uh, like besides, I would say um, Dynamite itself, I'm also just wondering where people are finding out about all this. And I suppose it really is just it just comes down to the hardcores that are so aware of everything that they know to get right here on a Friday, get there for a presale, you know, buy, buying up like almost half of that amount um, on that day. And then the rest just like going out right away on a Friday. So, I mean, it, again, I shouldn't be surprised at this point with this type of performance from an AEW show. But, I mean, it, it still does amaze me a little bit. I think it follows the trend of what we have seen that have been the big ticket buying shows, those first day big ticket sales. It's events that come with uh, some kind of significance to them. Like, this is going to be an unbelievable atmosphere. It's the first time in New York. And I think that really lends itself to the fan base that is going after, like, this is not some rank and file show. And we've seen the shows that feel historically significant are the ones that I don't know if there's a ceiling on what, you know, whether it comes to distance, uh, price on tickets. Like, I'm on Ticketmaster here, and there were like, granted, this is like front row on the floor, but they were listed at like well over, I think it was like 1700 per ticket or something like that. Um, this is on Ticketmaster. Um, so, I mean, this is not a uh, scenario either where it's... Uh, 1700 wow. Yeah, that, again, that's front row on the mm -hmm. floor. I mean, the more... It, it seems like the range right now that you can... You can still get there, tickets to this show. Are are like tickets as cheap as 25. 25, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 25 is kind of the, the, the low end. So, I mean, it's going to be a big gate for the company. And it's going to be among... I mean, it probably by... This will be the biggest dynamite of all time. I think this will be, this will probably likely be ahead of the uh, the first show, the Washington D.C. show that was fourteen thousand and change. 
Mm-hmm. Like we're at 14,000 now that are that are out there. We don't have the paid number exactly, but those are the tickets out. Mm. It's going to look remarkable in that stadium. I mean, it remains to be seen if they'll do a, the open air uh, deal. But um, yeah, how, I, I wonder how much of this audience will be the same as the one from Newark. How much? How many people are going to both? But obviously, in those areas, there are enough people to service. Um, you know, take it for everybody if they wanted to. But man, um, it seems like it'll be a big show. Yeah, it's it's a good point because again, they are running Newark the Wednesday prior, but. You know, typically when you're going into a market so close together, your concern would be just, you know, people spending that amount of money. But you have to remember, those Newark tickets were sold ages ago that fans have just held on to those tickets. So it's not kind of that that hurdle of buying, you know, two high price tickets back to back. It's like you you bought these tickets over a year and a half ago. And this time. All you're investing is another night of free time for yourself that I'm sure there's a lot of people in New York and New Jersey that are more than willing to have a night out and just bought tickets for the I'm going to go to Newark and I'm going to go to this show. At least that's how you would reason it with your significant other when you tell them I'm going to buy these tickets for these shows that I'm going to the week after going to this one. Well, I already spent the, I was supposed to go to that one and I didn't get the go. So I'm actually buying only one ticket for this year. So that's how you could reason it. Yeah, very, very smart. There's there's probably some fans that are just saying goodbye to their families. They're going on tour with AEW across the country as they're on the road. Mm. Uh, so, you know, a big week for AEW uh, based on uh, those two news stories. So tonight, SmackDown, we've got three matches announced with Roman Reigns and the Usos against Edge, Ray, and Dominic Mysterio. This will be Edge's first match since WrestleMania. For Roman Reigns, how many matches... Prior to tonight, has Roman Reigns had on TV since coming back last summer? Wouldn't be much. Um, I'm going to say one, two, like certainly in the single digits. He's had seven. Yeah, more more than your guess. But uh, yeah, this is the first one since uh, the Daniel Bryan uh, career match. Uh, Bianca Belair against Carmella for the women's title. And then the four male participants in the Money in the Bank ladder match on the SmackDown side with Kevin Owens, Big E, King Nakamura, and Seth Rollins. Uh, But, of course, the big factor tonight is a sold-out crowd at the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. Do you sense a big buzz for tonight? There there certainly is a lot of um, promotional stuff out there of talent doing interviews and WWE building this one up. Uh, They put out that video with the welcome back of fans. I'm sure there will be something to start the show of, you know, kind of welcoming everyone back. Maybe even a Vince cameo, perhaps. Maybe a Vince cameo. Uh, Certainly they've talked about maybe new production elements, new sets. That's right. That's right. I'm looking forward to that a whole lot. Um, You know, I don't expect too much change in terms of the show content itself and really all that, but Production-wise, I'm always interested to see what new stuff they do. Is there anyone interesting on this card tonight that you're kind of curious to see what the live reaction is for them? Jimmy Uso. Oh, good point. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll be. I think it'll be fine. I don't think the audience, you know, will boo the man for for something like that. At least, I'm. I, I don't really hope so. I hope that they don't. So, but it'll be interesting to see. They have also added Ray, uh, the Mysterios defending the tag titles against the aforementioned Usos for the kickoff show on Money in the Bank on Sunday. And Tamina inserted into the women's Money in the Bank match on Sunday night as well. So that is our full 
lineup as of now for Money in the Bank, and it looks pretty full now. Six matches on the main card, a kickoff match, and we have all eight slots filled in the men's and women's ladder matches. What, why did they wait that long to announce Tamina? I like, do not know. You know, like Natalia and Tamina were both both announced off air, and even on Monday, like they made a big deal about Natalia get, getting into the match with Tamina just standing there. Meanwhile, Tamina was going to get into the match as well, um, but didn't necessarily have to do anything to earn the opportunity. No, no, you just get uh. There was quite the disparity of how uh, many of well, especially on the SmackDown side, how the women qualified versus. Uh, you know, on the men's side, Kevin Owens having to go through a war with Sami Zayn to get to this match. Well, I guess fewer names to choose from. So that is the lineup. And let's chat a bit about um, this report that came out from Sean Ross Sapp, uh, Fightful Select, that it appears that uh, Bill Goldberg is going to be back on Monday at the Raw in Dallas. And it looks like the direction is Bobby Lashley, Bill Goldberg for SummerSlam. You know, you brought it up on one of our recent shows, and I didn't think that they would do it because I just feel like the Goldberg experiment has really, um, you know, ran its course over the, the the past year, even though the last time we saw him was quite a while ago, I suppose, by WWE terms. Um, judging by online reaction, people aren't happy about this. Um, they don't want to see another Goldberg run. They don't want to see the possibility of another Goldberg title reign. And in terms of an in-ring match, I don't know if they're looking forward to that either. Is there a All benefit that... to Lashley just getting a, a win over Goldberg as opposed to someone else on the Raw roster? There is, sure. But then you're also kind of being guaranteed. Like, how long of a match do you think this will go, John? Mm, five, six minutes. Yeah, we've seen that match. We've seen that match many a times. And even if it does mean something for Lashley... um, I, to me, that's more served for TV at this point. You know, why not save it for this big edition of, uh, I don't know, Raw with the audience coming back? I understand on paper, I think Lashley Goldberg looks maybe attractive to a casual fan, but um, I think you also primarily have to service your hardcores. And I think the Goldberg thing's kind of been, it's not really doing it anymore. I think it's the argument between. The, the big picture perspective and the immediate one that they are faced with in booking a card for SummerSlam. In the big picture, I think this is very much an indictment that we have no baby faces built up to the level that they can be put in a title match in a big show with Bobby Lashley. And therefore, a Bill Goldberg is a much bigger name than anyone we have built up. And that's a problem. In the short term, though, like that is the dilemma you are facing. And, uh, we were not going to get Bobby Lashley versus Xavier Woods at SummerSlam. And that's where Goldberg, who, I mean, it's amazing when you look at the history of this man's relationship with WWE, that now he is someone that they can, you know, he's outlined his deal calls for two matches per year. And you can just slot him into these. And you just think of, man, if they were able to get on the same page 20 years ago, the value of a Bill Goldberg in 2001, um, you know, they eventually got there, but they had that, Terrible first run together where neither side, I think, want to continue working with the other. And then they seem to really get it right in 2016. And now you're at a place where you have this deal with him and it's it's getting Goldberg onto TV for a couple of weeks, which might be of, of some value for the raw number and a big entrance at SummerSlam. That's what this is. And 
most likely you would assume, but you should never assume is, you know, a Bobby Lashley win. But then again, the night after SummerSlam, it's back to your long-term issue. And that is building up baby faces for Bobby Lashley on the raw side. And you can only do the switches so many times of SmackDown talent over to raw. It's, it's a bigger issue and not to make everything an AEW comparison, but I think one of the strengths of AEW programming has been the the progression of seeing all these young talents that are now reaping the benefits of protected booking. They're now moving numbers. Like we're seeing, you know, significant stake attached to MJF and Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen and Britt Baker and Jungle Boy that can now move numbers. And I think that really captivates your audience when you see that next wave and they're protected, they're isolated as future stars, and now we're starting to see that commitment pay dividends, and your audience is responding to them as stars. And that is something very much lacking in WWE. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, an opportunity would be this weekend with Money in the Bank. You know, typically that is a gimmick reserved for that sort of, you know, just bubbling underneath the surface type of uh, star. And, um, you know, having somebody cash in for SummerSlam, I guess it could be possible. We can't throw that uh, possibility out there at the end of this Goldberg Lashley match, but um, yeah. Who, who is your who who is your um your favorite in the the men's match between Ricochet, John Morrison, Riddle, Drew McIntyre, Big E, Kevin Owens, Nakamura, and Seth Rollins? You know, I uh, I could see Riddle because of his storyline with Randy Orton getting a whole lot of focus, you know, with the element of the briefcase being attached to it, I could see it being um, a way to further their feud. Maybe they might even challenge each other for the briefcase. So I think he would be a candidate. I mean, Drew McIntyre, of course, but that to me is just such a, you know, what are you going to do? Tease Drew and Big E, or sorry, Drew Drew and uh, uh, Bobby Lashley again. It's, it's just not interesting at all. Nor do I. You see either him break the character. step or it's going to Reigns. And like Drew shouldn't be beating Roman Reigns right now. So I, I just don't know like what is beyond. I, I don't like Drew winning it. I just don't think it really works. If you want to get to that destination, you can do it certainly without the briefcase. Mm-hmm. I can see Biggie as well, you know, because yes. Biggie is one of those talents that might be actually bubbling on the surface if they don't screw him up. Uh, between now and whenever they want but he's got a lot of work i think you know before like they they need to do a lot of work for him in order to get him to a level where i think the audience can buy him beating roman reigns and not just beat roman reigns but to lead the company into main event every single one of these big shows so that might be um a little bit down the road and and then seth rollins is another possibility too of course you know um you can do the whole gimmick with seth having already won Money in the Bank briefcase, him challenging Roman Reigns is going to be something significant. But I see Seth Seth is teasing a match with, with Edge right now for SummerSlam. Um, and therefore, yeah, maybe the gimmick is not necessarily something, certainly not something he needs. So maybe my choices would be between... I'm, I'm going with Riddle. How about you? I, th- I, th- I can see it being Riddle. I mean, you often look at them wanting, getting more legs out of a heel with the briefcase, but there aren't a whole lot of candidates here. Like, John Morrison is not winning this thing. I don't think Seth needs it, but I don't totally discredit that. And just going back to our previous point, I think it really does uh, emphasize it, the fact that the last month, Ricochet has been a highlight of Raw programming, and yet... 
I think just about everybody would look at Ricochet and just scoff at the idea of him getting this briefcase because there's no faith that they would ever go to that level with Ricochet. And that's a deeper seated issue of just a lack of faith in certain performers that you have seen beaten like a drum to the point that they, they will never get that honest push that an audience member may have hoped for at one point, but has that train has long since left the station. You know, you watch these shows and you kind of get the sense that Vince sees Ricochet as somebody who can he can rely on to deliver a great match. Uh, he somebody you can rely on to deliver to deliver you know a great ladder match probably. But beyond that, I don't see he him and Morrison really having a significant storyline role coming out of this match. The match itself, I think, is going to be spectacular. I said this this week. I think this has the potential to be among the best Money in the Bank ladder matches they've ever produced. You certainly have the talent to do so and come up with a lot of uh, creativity. Like I, I think this should be off the charts. It's the match that I think will be the match of the show. Um, we won't go through the whole card here, but how about on, on the women's side? Asuka, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Ash, Lib Morgan, Zelina Vega, Natalia, Tamina. Unless anyone gets replaced. Uh, sure, yeah. Um, I don't see it being Natalia nor Tamina. I don't see it being Asuka nor Naomi. Um, could it be Alexa Bliss? You know, uh, it's a character that has kind of been a little bit more kind of subdued over the past couple weeks without seeing too many sort of shenanigans. But it's also a character that I don't think needs a gimmick like a Money in the Bank. Um, Nikki Ash is somebody that they put a lot of TV airtime too lately. I think she would be uh, one of the leading candidates as much as I think mm, the gimmick might not necessarily be receiving critical acclaim or whatsoever. Um, of the choices here, she is one somebody who I guess fits the bill of being sort of that project that I can see them wanting to attach that rocket to. But I think my prime candidate would be Liv Morgan. You know, she not only fits that bill, um, I think she's somebody that they've wanted to get ready for this spot in a while. Um, who knows, you know, what got sped up here due to Bailey. Um, but I think Liv Morgan is the person who's received the most TV push heading into this Money in the Bank. Her constantly coming out and arguing with Sonya about not being able to get into the match. Finally getting into the match. It seems to, you know, a win here would seem to complete her character arc. And I don't even know if we need to mention Zelina Vega. She's such an afterthought. I mean, week two, I mean, she loses week one with the return and week two, she's not even on the program. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, they did uh, an incredible job of making her an afterthought of this return. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, they're, they're not identical, but I mean, you look at like the introduction of a Malachi black on AEW and he feels like the hottest thing on the program. And, WWE brings back Selena Vega, granted, without fans, uh, but nonetheless, you beat her right away, and she's in this match, and, I mean, she doesn't win this thing. I think you have just slotted her into just another role on the roster. If it doesn't, I mean, if, if the way they booked her on her first night doesn't tell you how unimportant of a character she is in the grand scheme of things to your casual audience, not featuring her completely in the second week pretty much cements that. So on your go-home show, to not at least have a promo or some sort of presence from her, um, you know, it's it you she you might as well categorize her with Natalia and Tamina as people to focus on in the match like this. 
The last thing is we've got the Slammiversary pay-per-view on Saturday night, and Davey Portman and John Cena will have a post-show on the site uh, later on Saturday evening. It's got Kenny Omega, Sammy Callahan in a no-DQ match for the Impact title, Ultimate X for the X Division title with Josh Alexander defending against Petey Williams, Trey Miguel, Ace Austin, Chris Bay, and Rohit Raju. That sounds really strong. Chris Sabin against Moose. Violent by Design against Rich Swan and Willie Mack, TJP and Falabaugh and the Good Brothers for the tag titles. Kiara Hogan and Tasha Steeles against Rosemary and Havoc for the Knockouts tag titles. W. Morrissey versus Eddie Edwards. And then Deanna Perrazzo against a mystery opponent for the Knockouts Championship. And Brian Myers and Tennille Dashwood versus Matt Cardona and TBA in a mixed tag match that, at least on Thursday's episode, they were significantly hinting towards Chelsea Green being the surprise guest, stating that Saturday's pay-per-view would be a hot mess. So this is the show. I think it's got, you know, the hook of a Kenny Omega title defense and who is going to show up, much like the advertising for last year's Slammiversary show. Yeah, always a bit of attached interest. I mean, mm, you know, who are the names that you're expecting, I, I suppose, outside of Chelsea Green? And, you know, I, I guess what I want to get is what level of star do you think um, would need to appear on the show for fans to be satisfied? Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, you look at the the candidates out there of uh, like the Iconics, Buddy Murphy, um, Iconics who you know, might not even be able to work. I mean, that was that was their whole issue that they explained on Renee Paquette's podcast. Of, I mean, at least at that time, we're stating that they are, you know, their their visa issue would would prevent them uh, from such a thing. Now, it, who knows? Uh, whatever could be rectified or not. But I guess that's that's kind of the interest of like who who does appear here. And you know, Chelsea Green has stated that she was on the Ring of Honor pay per view, but did not. She said she wants to be a free agent for six months. She doesn't want to sign with any one company. So that would appear uh, that she would be able to appear, although can't couldn't wrestle in Maryland because of her injury. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. So that is the pay-per-view coming up on Saturday night. You can check out the uh, the post show for that, and we will see um, you know, how much how much buzz impact can acquire over the weekend because there is a lot going on in uh, pro wrestling. Uh, New Japan is back on Saturday with a core Q and Hall show, and it's just going to get busier and busier. We've got a Tokyo Dome show next week, way. It's well, finally here, the Tokyo Dome card. Finally, yes, yes. Um, I can't wait, and um, sure it'll be, yeah, sure it'll be interesting. And one final thing to note is that on Saturday. Our own Martin Bushby, along with Benno, they're going to be hosting a 12-hour charity stream uh, that Wei Ting and I are both going to be a part of. Uh, Wei, you're going to be on at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, and I'm going to be on at 3 o'clock Eastern, and we'll be joined by, well, we will not be joined, but we will be a part of a cavalcade of guests, many uh, in and around the post-wrestling community. Yeah, I'm really excited and looking forward to this, um, not only because it's, it seems to be just a great gathering of a lot, a lot of our post-wrestling friends and people who we don't even really know, but I'm sure it will be really interesting to hear Martin to speak about. But uh, it's for a wonderful cause. It is to raise funds for the Children's Heart Surgery Fund. And I will be joined not just uh, alone, but actually with my brother, who... Um, you know, this cause is actually very close to. So uh, we'll be kind of talking about his experience um, and, yeah, everything else. So I look forward to um, 
sharing that time with Martin. You can find all that information. Let's throw it on all of our social media, you know. So if you just go to our uh, anything at Post Wrestling at Way0937 or at I'm John Pollock, you could find a link to donate as well as a link to the live stream. Yes. So there you go. Check that out. Uh, Martin is starting at, oh, I, I don't even know the time off the top 7 of my head. 7 a.m. Eastern. Eastern. Okay, gotcha. So 7 a.m. Eastern. You can start uh, bright and early with Martin and spend half a day with him. Well, we will be back tonight, everyone, 10, 15 p.m. Eastern time with a full review of Friday Night Smackdown from Houston. Uh, we'll also have reports this week on the site from Eric Marcotte covering uh, Bellator 262 tonight and the UFC card on Saturday night that features Islam Mahachev taking on Tiago Moises and the return of Misha Tate, who way you, you covered her retirement fight back in 2016 when she announced after the loss to Raquel Pennington that she was stepping away. Five years later, she's back. Five years already. Wow. Yeah. Almost five years. Yeah. That was November of 2016 at Madison Square Garden. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the reminder. All of these things are just like like gone from my memory. All right. We're back tonight, everyone. All cafe members live, 10, 15 p.m. Eastern time. Go check out the latest edition of MCU Later because we will see you later. <laughs>